How Anarchy Eliminates Petty Crime It is often suggested that anarchy is nihilistic and impractical. In this essay, we seek to demonstrate that anarchy is eminently practical. This study does not just look at ways to eliminate crime, but more importantly, to reduce the costs of crime, especially the costs that the community bears because of crime. The state represents power. The purest form of power comes out of the barrel of a gun. There are other kinds, but if one has not mastered the power of the gun, you will lose power to those who have. One of the suggestions made to prevent school shootings or reduce victim numbers is to arm teachers. Governments tend to oppose these kinds of solutions. The state does not like any reforms that reduces its power monopoly. This is the problem the United States has always faced. American citizens have never accepted the doctrine of state power. Other nations have inculcated the idea that it is the state that has the authority to wield power. The U.S. citizen cannot accept this. The citizen's right to keep and bear arms translates into the right of the citizen to correct injustices by his own hand. Subjects in other nations are forced into the arms of the state when seeking justice. The U.S. citizen is far less often faced with the realization that if he wants justice, he is going to have to agitate for more government interference in his life. Governments oppose anything that suggests a challenge to the military's monopoly on the use of force, because if the subject becomes comfortable with the use of force, he may well decide the government is no longer needed or welcome. Governments oppose the right of citizens to protect their property because any time force is needed, we are told to call the police. Few jurisdictions allow citizens to perform a citizen's arrest. The right of a law-abiding person to protect themselves from attack, while seemingly rational, strikes at the heart of the military structure of our nations. We as subjects are the property of the state and it is the state that has the authority to protect its property. The ability of the person to protect their property is the same power that citizens can use to oppose the state. The military is always under the authority of the state. Despite the fact that an armed and empowered citizenry makes sense logically and logistically, it does not make political sense. The arming of the citizenry is anarchy. The shifting of power from the state to citizen is anarchy. But what is more effective in fighting crime, an armed and empowered citizen or an elite group of military personnel that must be controlled even as they are permitted to exercise the power usually associated with an occupying army? The police are only as effective as they approximate an occupying force. There is no feasible way to blend a military force with the people they are charged with controlling. The state attempts to keep the division hidden even though the police often appear to embrace the idea of political separation. Their uniforms, close-knit socializing and the S, the mentality and adoption of military narratives especially around the idea of the fallen hero, serves to drive a line between the occupier and the subject population. The state creates a military and police force to protect itself and maintain order. 
Its existence is not threatened just by outright rebellion and other nations, disorder also threatens the state. If the people are required to maintain order, then the state becomes redundant. The police are not just to maintain order but to prevent alternative methods of maintaining order being established, which would make the state irrelevant. The reality is that without the compliance of the people, the police could not maintain order. It is possible to establish civil courts that deal with issues of civil disobedience without threatening the monopoly power of the state. Civil courts are civil institutions charged with the authority to apprehend those suspected of civil disobedience. Civil courts hold hearings and adjudicate penalties for minor disturbances. The civil court is a mechanism utilized by citizens to reconcile what would be an otherwise unrecoverable loss. Imagine a robber holding up a corner store. If the robber escapes the owner or the insurance company suffers a loss. Over time this loss spreads through the economy. Every loss and gain is socialized over time. Civil courts exist to prevent the socialization of costs that come through criminal acts. If the robber is apprehended by means of conventional policing, this happens after lengthy investigations and a costly trial. The robber may then be jailed or paroled, either way another cost is imposed on the community. The mandate of a civil court is to reduce costs for the community. If costs are not tied to the criminal, the community ends up absorbing the cost of the crime, the cost of apprehension, the cost of a trial, the cost of any appeals and the cost of incarceration. Even if the criminal is fined, the fine is not likely to defray the expenses incurred because of the criminal's actions. Civil society has a right and duty to seek ways to reduce the cost of crime because the community incurs the cost of criminal activity. To reduce the cost of crime, the cost of committing a crime has to be increased substantially for the criminal. The first step in reducing the cost of crime is to reduce the probability a crime will be committed. The second step is to increase the probability the criminal will be apprehended as well as reduce the lag between the crime and capture. The third need is to reduce the cost of jurisprudence, that is the cost of bringing the case to a conclusion. The civil court addresses all three needs by its mandate to reduce costs of crime. To reduce crime, the criminal needs to be identified at the earliest possible moment. The community is best equipped to do this. A civil society seeks to be a place of civility. Civil society exists as a community of mutual expectations and obligations. Apart from being a cost unreconciled, crime is a breakdown of decorum. Unfortunately, modern persons have no idea of how important manners are. Crime is ultimately an attack on civility. Crime is not a failure to follow the law, it is a breakdown of civility. Society has the right and obligation to demand civility. We have a right to expect a minimum level of decency. An attack on anyone is a breakdown of civility. Social misfits are visible. They are not hard to find. 
Errors in decorum are visible wherever they happen, because they happen to someone. Acts of incivility are a cost imposed on the community, but they are also an act of incivility done to an individual. Incivility is a case of civil disturbance. When a civil disturbance takes place a hearing is convened to adjudicate the matter. The court is composed of persons with direct knowledge of the case. The convening of a civil court has three steps. An incivility exists after the offended has informed the offender of his or her incivility. The civil code is defined by common law and the general expectations of good conduct. The common law can be expressed in written form if desired, but civility is determined by tradition and convention, not written law. If a person persists in their uncivil behavior witnesses convene and inform the offender that his or her behavior fails to meet expectations. A penalty may be imposed to recover a direct loss or the accused may offer to make restitution. If the cost of the crime is not taken care of this is considered an offense. If the offense continues unreconciled plaintiffs and witnesses convene as a court under the gavel of an elder. The case is heard, the costs decided and sanctions up to and including expulsion from the community is imposed. The intent of a civil court is to correct uncivil behavior before it becomes criminal activity. However, if a criminal event occurs, the victim and witness under the gavel of an elder may convene a civil court on condition the accused agrees to abide by the conclusions of the court. Costs are established for the offense by the regular and accepted practices of accounting. The penalty and charges are levied against the offender's account. If the offender does not address these charges in a timely manner, a civil court is convened to hear the case and impose sanctions up to and including expulsion from the political jurisdiction covered by the court. A person who attempts to rob a store can be apprehended by citizens tried and costs imposed on his or her account. Convictions in absentia are valid where the felon has fled the jurisdiction. A person who is deemed a social misfit may have his or her freedom of movement restricted to certain areas and periods of the day. All misdemeanor convictions are fined amounts equal or greater than the costs created by the infraction as determined by conventional accounting practices. The purpose of justice being restitution of costs. The cost imposed by the court is recorded in the convicted misfits' accounts as a debit. Miscreant accounts are reviewed periodically to determine the alacrity with which a judgment is being liquidated. The funds, as they accrue, are credited to the accounts of those who were harmed by the crime in an agreed-upon sequence and up to an agreed-upon limit.